to welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 194th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 649th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, November 12th, 12th 2020. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. Well, this week's banner moment for me revolves around the front court at IU, and it isn't uh, Trace Jackson Davis continuing to get preseason accolades, but it's more about uh, the signing of Logan Duncan this week. So while IU fans are are understandably disappointed that Trey Kaufman chose to commit elsewhere, I, I don't think that should overshadow the signing of Logan Duncan, who's a really fast-rising player at his position, projects to be a, a four-year type player in the front court, and a really good foundational piece uh, that IU is going to be able to build around, plug some elite talent in around him, and and uh, I think he can really be a key piece of IU for years to come, uh, especially as you start thinking about uh, time when Trace is not going to be there. And a couple of the things is, in IU's release about him really stood out. Uh, one was, if you ask me, to, this is from Archie Miller, if you ask me to describe Logan in one word, I would say winner. Uh, the reason for that is because I believe Duncan's uh, high school teams are a combined 55-1 uh, and one over his last two seasons at, uh, at Moeller here in Cincinnati. And they won back-to-back state titles, too. Well, they, yeah, well, they, they want, well, last year they were on their way to it before the, uh, uh, before the season was canceled, but he, um, you know, just just everything you read about him is is how much he continues to improve, uh, and the excitement around a guy like him is with that kind of work ethic. Uh, again, Archie Logan is a throwback front court player with a relentless work ethic and a genuine love for competing. Elite runner in the open court, with exceptional feel for the game, craves the physicality that he will encounter in the Big Ten. So, uh, again, while not the biggest name on the recruiting trail and not the biggest name uh, that we've heard about on IU's radar. I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited about a, a guy like Logan Duncan, and uh, it was it was good to see him uh, in cream and crimson and, and ready to, and signing his letter of intent this week. So for me, uh, that's the banner moment. I think he's a guy that we're all going to really enjoy uh, watching in the years to come. And let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left is the birthday boy, Brian Tonsoni. Cost a dollar, heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, on behalf of all of us with the show and the chat mob as well, happy birthday to you and thanks for uh, thanks for joining us here. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, birthday boy is nice at my age. Uh, that uh, <laughs> it brings me to some youth, uh, but uh, it, it, it's always a, a good day to celebrate. You you, you realize um, that you have a really good friends and family, and and that at this time with all the stuff that's going on, that's just a blessing, and, and it's good to remember. Basketball wise, uh, I'm not that big on those uh, those 
videos that, that come out, but it was nice seeing the guys in practice jerseys because practice is important. Uh, and it's nice to see that your best player is winning the yellow jersey or the gold jersey uh, for the best practice player. That's what you want. Y- your best player has to be your hardest worker. I think Jared che- tweeted something like that out uh, here this week. That's just really good to see. And Trace Jackson Davis several times going to his right uh, was really nice to see because that's just part of improving. And what you want every one of the Indiana players is to get better than they were last year, even your best player. So that, that that's you know really got me excited to to see. Still shocked that there's no schedule release and we're two weeks. We usually have that schedule so far in advance and dissected and and plans made by now that it's just uh, it's weird not knowing. Uh, exactly, even though we're assuming the 25th is, is the first game and, and we know a few dates. So, hey, we're in practice. High school practice is uh, back. I, I'm, I'm pretty fired up uh, about being back in the gym and, and, and teaching the game. So it's been a very good week. Yeah, fourth grade basketball practice is uh, cranked up here for me, so I'm uh, I'm right there with you. Nice to a nice distraction from things and good to be good to be back out there for sure. All right, and to my right, analyzing players, finding every wrinkle he hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the. Well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant on the last week in IU sports? Well, I, I want to focus, first of all, happy birthday, Coach. That's always a big deal every year. Thank We're you. thrilled for you. Uh, have a good one today. Uh, I, the, the thing I want to focus on is football. And and it's not anything related to IU football. What it's related to is the COVID situation hitting college football right now. If you look at the numbers now, I mean, four SEC games have been canceled this week. Ohio State will not be playing its game this weekend uh, because of Maryland's COVID situation. Uh, the Pac-12 has had some issues. And you look at the season, 57 games have been postponed or canceled. That's uh, 57 of 370 scheduled games. That's a 15.4% cancellation rate. That's uh, through yesterday. And there have been some others canceled today. So and uh, six of those 57 games have been made up, but there's still a ton that haven't been. And, and I think that's a lesson for basketball is people have to take these protocols seriously or you're going to have a lot of people when it comes to Selection Sunday who haven't played the same amount of games, who have had games against major opponents canceled, who, you know, your chances for an upsetting it's a top team might have been canceled. I mean, this is something that people need to understand is serious and is going to continue to be around. And especially early in the season, we're hoping that by the end of the season, maybe things are better. But right now, we're peaking nationally. We're having a, you know, setting daily records for COVID cases. If people don't take these protocols seriously, especially college kids, it's hard to keep them wrangled. Um, but if you, you know, if these people do not take things seriously, uh, we're going to be in a mess. And and so I would say that that's the big lesson basketball can take from football is people have to take this stuff seriously because it sneaks up on you and all of a sudden you're missing a week's worth of games. Uh, so let's let's hope that everybody at Indiana and everybody in the Big Ten is focused on this and and can keep things locked down and be really smart about it. All right. Well, here's what we're going to touch on this week. We've got a few Hoosier headlines, as we always do. Then uh, three burning questions as we approach the opening of the regular season, which is here in uh, less than two weeks now. And uh, and we'll then hit your questions in our final segment. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. And before we get to all that, I want to tell you about a new sponsor who is joining us here on the Assembly Call. It's Superior Insulation, a.k.a. Superior Insulators. 
And this sponsor relationship started like so many of our others have because the owner of the business, Brad, is a loyal listener to the show and a longtime IU fan and season ticket holder. So with winter right around the corner, the timing is perfect to tell you about Superior Insulators and why you should consider giving them a call. What do the Superior Insulators do? They provide high-performance insulation and barrier systems to the residential, commercial, and agricultural sectors. In other words, they help you live and work more comfortably by fixing drafty rooms, cold floors, and excess noise in your home or office. And they help you save money on your energy bills in the process. Yes, more comfort and more cost savings. That's a TJD-level double-double right there. And just in case you're wondering about their track record, let me sum it up in one word. Excellence. That's right, the Superior Insulators did all the air barrier systems and spray foam for the new IU Excellence Academy. Brad and his team also worked on the new football locker room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings on campus. So they're kind of a big deal. And best of all for you, they have a special offer for Assembly Call listeners. You will get a $50 home field apparel gift card when you call and schedule an appointment in a qualifying area. They have four locations covering roughly the southern two-thirds of Indiana plus the northern part of Kentucky. Just tell them the Assembly Call sent you to get your gift card. So visit insulators.com to learn more and schedule your appointment. Then Brad and his team can help you create a healthier, quieter, and more energy-efficient home. That's insulators, I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And tell them the Assembly Call sent you to get your $50 home field apparel gift card. All right, guys, we've got uh, Hoosier headlines this week. Uh, announcement that just came out today. Virtual Hoosier Hysteria will be uh, in less than a week from now, Wednesday, November 18th at 8 o'clock Eastern on Facebook Live. So uh, they did announce Coach's that. Coach's favorite event every year. Yeah. Coach's Coach's favorite event every year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, yeah. Although I can tell based on his uh, based on his opening thoughts, he's really starting to come around on these, on these videos. Um, yeah, I think so, too. Also had another game announced this week. Uh, North Alabama will be on December 13th. Uh, they're ranked 239th on uh, Bart Torvik's site. Uh, that really will essentially round out IU's non-conference schedule. So they've got that, the Tennessee Tech game. Um, they've got those two non-conference kind of buy games, plus Maui slash Asheville, uh, plus, plus Butler in the Crossroads, and Florida State in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So that's basically the seven allotted games that they can schedule in the non-conference. So while we don't have any of the Big Ten schedule, uh, I know John Rothstein tweeted out last week, they hope to have it out this week. Well, we're here on, on Thursday and we don't have it yet. Uh, but, you know, the Big Ten schedule can kind of fill in around some of those events. Um, so before we get into the, the, there was a note in here about the COVID cases, which uh, I want to piggyback on some of the college basketball stuff there. But, um, you, you know, Ryan, thoughts on, you know, what we might see at this Hoosier hysteria that may be different than others. Obviously it'll all be different. No fans will be there, but uh, any, any thoughts on, you know, what we might be able to take out of some of this? Well, without a crowd, you wonder if they're going to do the full program of, you know, the dunk contest and the three point contest. I'm sure they will, but it'll, it'll have a different vibe because those are the crowd pleasing events. And then they run a scrimmage and, you know, during the scrimmage, you can hear sort of murmurs in assembly calls. Everybody's kind of hanging out, talking and things like that. The scrimmage is in, in, you know, for what we do is the most important part. And, and so it'll be, inter- I, I, I would like to see a longer scrimmage and maybe you don't do the dunk contest and, and three point contest, or you kind of shorten those a little, uh, I, I don't know uh, because usually the part about you know the, the dunk contest and stuff is a showcase event where you bring out people to you know, judge it and do all these things and really you can't do that. So 
I'd like it if it was just a more kind of a fun or uh, a more fun version of a practice or something like that. And maybe Archie can explain what they're doing, you know, on a mic and, and, and explain what each drill means and all that stuff. I think that would be more beneficial to everybody involved. Uh, but we'll see. I don't know what they have planned. It's going to be weird. I think it's going to be weird across the country for everybody. Uh, you know, it, all these schools have these crowd-pleasing events and things, and they just really can't do that this year because it's so based on the reactions of the crowd. Yeah, Coach, as a, as a longtime fan of such events, if your birthday wish was to to structure Hoosier Hysteria however you wanted, whatever you would want to see, what would you do? Well, you know, I have my own scrimmage that night, so I think I'm going to miss that. I think that's uh, kind of nice to to happen. But um, if I if I had my way, one, these are marketing events. They're marketing events for recruits as well as for fans, and and that's that's just something that coaches have to deal with. But I would do it, uh, it you know, like Ryan said, I'd like to see some practices. I'd like you could introduce the players. Uh, and, and show them uh, doing certain things and certain drills uh, so people can see the new freshmen. That would be nice. Uh, but I'd like to see some some drills. You're always careful and, and worried as a coach of giving um, the new offense or whatever if, if you're doing uh, too much of that being live and, and on online. But I, I do think that uh, it'll be more practice-oriented than than the showmanship stuff that uh, when, when people – were there and and I think that's okay and I still think you could have a three point shooting contest on Facebook Live I think that would be good I'd like to see a skills competition where you're you're dribbling and passing and doing some things like that as, so as like they do an NBA All Star yeah game kind of you know and and that's you know me giving into to the the type of activity the event that it is but uh, just practice stuff for me would be the ideal. All right. Well, the other couple of headlines we had, uh, Ryan, you you touched on this a bit with cases rising around the country, um, some cancellations. We've even see, started to see a couple of college basketball games uh, get canceled. We saw Big Ten wise, Minnesota has paused activities. Uh, Tom Izzo tested positive. I think Iona tonight, obviously not Big Ten, um, you know, has paused activities. Um, I, I don't. Th- there's no way to spin any of that in a positive way for for college basketball. Um, but again, I kind of fall into Ryan's camp a little bit from a scheduling standpoint of what can, uh, what can college basketball learn from college football? Um, time will tell based on how the schedule is actually set up, but that to me is the, you know, is the biggest concern. So as you get into this, Ryan, you talked about the football aspect and maybe what can be learned. I mean, is there reason to be concerned about basketball already just with some of these things starting to trickle out now a couple weeks ahead of the season where people are, you know, shutting things down, um, not really asking you to throw cold water on anything for the season, but uh, it, it doesn't feel it doesn't it doesn't feel like things are trending in a positive direction, despite the fact that at IU, short of a, a brief pause, things have largely been okay on the basketball front. Yeah, I, I think that part of it is you really have to drill into these players. It's like, well, this is you know basketball or, or football in, in the case that we've seen is very important to you. And some of you are going to go professional in this. Some of you, you know, your future careers depend on this. And if you decide to go to a party one weekend and get sick and it winds up shutting down your entire team, that's, you know, going to hurt you moving forward as a professional. And, and I think that we've seen that at some other schools. I mean, there, I, 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 I don't have them off the top of my head, but I know several schools have shut down because a bunch of players went to a Halloween party. And, you know, got sick and spread it to their teammates. And 
those kind of things, I mean, it's on the leadership of those teams to be responsible. And I think that's a big wake-up call for basketball teams. Now, I think it's going to be much easier to control with basketball teams, even outside a bubble. It's going to be much easier to control with basketball teams because there are fewer guys to police. You know, you're in a football locker room and one guy gets it. Guess what? You're all in close contact with each other all the time. It's going to spread. You're in a basketball locker room. You're close to each other. It's going to spread. But it's easier to contain one of 15 guys as opposed to one of, you know, 100. So I think that's really going to be the, the focus is that basketball team needs to be tight and they need to be responsible for each other and they all need to be close and know what each other are doing and keep each other in check and, and, and be responsible. And, and that's the big lesson I've learned from the football season as far as this goes moving forward is the coaches need to be aware, the support staff needs to be aware, and the players need to be aware of each other and police each other. Because if you want to get a season in, if you, I mean, what happens if you get it the week before the NCAA tournament? You know, I mean, you don't go. And so I think that that it's just a matter of keeping the team together and making sure everyone's on the same page. You're sacrificing things for this to make this season happen. You've got to know that going in. And if you're not willing to sacrifice, that's totally understandable. You're giving up, uh, you know, several months of your college life that you could be out having fun. If you don't want to do that, opt out of the season, come back after. It's totally understandable if kids want to do that. But if not, and they're, they really want to play football and basketball, they need to be all in and take it seriously. Coach, if, if you don't mind me asking, what, what has been the message that you guys have given to the, the high school guys that you guys are starting practice with uh, around this and kind of what expectations are and, and different things like that? We've just told them to follow protocols, make sure they know who they're um, sitting around with. It's, it's just hard because there's no bubble. Um, and, and I think that you could even do follow all the protocols and wear a mask and be distanced and it can still find its way um to a to a player in your system so i don't even think they have you know like they have to take a risk and go somewhere to to get it so oh you can do everything right and get it for yeah sure. you could do everything right and get it so we just have been preaching to our guys that in school be distant wash your hand all those protocols and, and and uh you know we've had some players who had it in the fall um that they've gone through it. So maybe they, they won't be getting it during basketball season. So, but Indiana's uh, re- really, really spiking. And I, and I've known a lot of my students um, have been quarantined and such simply because parents and in, in the community have, uh, and many cases of people trying to do the right thing and, and, and they're doing that and working uh, and out uh, and not just in isolation. And if you're doing both, you're likely to run into a, uh, into this COVID situation. So I'm approaching it this way, guys. I'm going to be thankful for every day I have practice with my high school guys. And and I'm going to be thankful for every game I get as a high school coach and as a fan of the Indiana Hoosiers. I'm going to enjoy them when they come and hope for the next one to be there and understand that uh, there could be, you know, just some kinks in the system. Yep. I think that's a, a, as good a way to look at it as any for sure. So all right, well, with the season now less than two weeks away, it's time to answer a few burning questions about the IU program. Topics can include Trey Galloway, TJD, and whether the program is really on as solid a footing as many seem to believe it is. Stick with us. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. 
Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment, but Three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense. Hey guys, it's Gene Steratour, CBS officiating analyst and retired Big Ten basketball official. You know I have never listened to the assembly call, and to be honest, I don't intend to. But if you listen... Make sure you ignore anything Ryan says about officiating. He's really good from the seat of his pants, but I wouldn't trust him on the court with a whistle around his neck. Time has proven him wrong on virtually everything. Take care. We'll talk soon. Uh, always always a classic with Gene Steratore there. All right, welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And uh, we've got burning questions from Jared, who uh, had initially planned to host... Uh, had to uh, had to had to bail though he may be here later but he did leave us with these questions to uh, to answer so I guess we'll let him off the hook since he was able to provide uh, important content and and talking points for the show so all right these are in no particular order but uh, so his his first question given all of his preseason accolades preseason all big ten top 15 player nationally preseason all American uh, what does trace Jackson Davis need to do for his sophomore season to be considered a success? Uh, so some of the accolades, uh, you know, we talked about the preseason All Big Ten. Although, not to, I, I really don't like having to agree with John Rostein on things. But he's as he's been releasing these, did, did, okay. as he's been releasing these like preseason uh, All Conference teams. He's been going with the why are there ten guys on the Big Ten like All Conference team? Like why are there ten? We play with five. What I mean, what are we doing? And the Big Ten yeah. is not the only conference to do this. But Trace was one of ten guys on the All Big Ten team. Um, he was on the Carl Malone watch list, which I think we touched on, uh, last week. So, uh, and then 14 on CBS's, uh, top 100 college players that they, that they put out. So coach, um, where do you, where do you kind of fall? Like what do you, when you look at TJD coming into this sophomore season, what do you, what do you think the success criteria are for him? We've spent a lot of time talking about that, that question for the team, but for him specifically, what do you look at? Winning. I mean, it, to, to me, it, it just comes down to winning. Now, um, for him to be remembered uh, as a player that really moved the program in our, under Archie Miller ahead, uh, all of those stats that we're going to talk about must lead to wins and a better Big Ten performance and an NCAA tournament and maybe a win in the NCAA tournament uh, to validate a, as a quality player. He's going to be a quality player no matter what. Because he he's just a good player, but winning will really make the, all those stats a lot better. Uh, to you know, obviously to me, I think he's going to score some more. I, I look for a double double average possibility. If he gets that, I think statistically that'll show that he he improved. Uh, you know, so those those are the things that that I'm looking for. Not statistically playing better defense, being able to guard people off the dribble, being able to be more of a force defensively. I think if we look at his post-up defense it probably wasn't as as good as it needs to be so there's where I would look at that would really help the team as well but ultimately 
you know, your best player is going to be remembered for how much he led the team to W's. And uh, I hate to put pressure on the young man, but that's that's where we're at with this program right now. It's been a real slow go, and we need to win uh, for those to be, you know, kind of backed up. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I think I, I coach took my answer, and that's to win games and, and to close out games and to be a guy that Indiana could go to consistently. You know, when IU needed a basket, when Cody Zeller was on the team, it was Victor Oladipo or Cody Zeller was going to make that shot. He was going to take that shot. He was going to get to a position on the block. They were going to throw it in, and he was going to – and everybody in the arena knew what was going to happen, and he'd still make the shot. I think that Trace has to do that. I think that number two is become a better passer out of the, the double team. And that's going to set up everybody else. And in turn, that's going to open up his game because teams won't be able to double as much if his teammates are shooting the ball better. Uh, I, I, but I think that wins. I mean, that's how you become an All-American is you win games. I mean, if, if your team goes you know, 6-20, and 20, you're not making an All-American team regardless of what your statistics are. It's it's because they're inconsequential. Your statistics are inconsequential. And so I think wins are the biggest thing for him to take a jump. As far as statistically, I think we're going to see him score more. I think he will score more than the 13 and a half points a game he, he got last year. Rebounds, I don't know if they're going to go up that much because I think there are better there there are going to be rebounders around him that are going to play more. I think Jerome Hunter is a pretty good rebounder, and I think Reese Thompson's a really good rebounder, and he's going to play a lot more. And Joey Brunk, when he's in there, will grab rebounds. He might get up to a double-double level, as Coach suggested, uh, but I'm not thinking that's going to be guaranteed. I do think defensively you want to see better defensive statistics, especially in the advanced metrics of, of post-up defense and things like that, uh, because he did block 1.8 shots per game last year, but that's not necessarily an indication. Blocks and steals are not necessarily an indication of good defense. They're an indication of being opportunistic, and a lot of blocks come when you make a bad defensive play and recover to it. So I, I think that that and I, I would like to see his field goal percentage go up a little bit more. He was 56.6 last year. I'd like to see that tick up a little more because let's face it, most of his shots are going to be in close. He's got to make those gimmies. Last year, there were games where because of the strength and size of opponents, he really struggled to put the ball in the hoop from inside. I mean, then there were other games where he was great, but there were some games where he struggled consistently to get, you know, make layups around around the rim. I want to see him put more authority into his into his play in the post this year and I think he will Ryan your passing thing is very important too because if he's going to be in more screen and rolls and they hit him in a short roll situation and the help comes there's guys in the corner guys 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 diving uh so watch for him his passing ability out of screen and rolls is something that I'm going to be watching and also you know can that shooting percentage go up if he's being allowed to shoot 12 foot jumpers 15 foot jumpers in in where he's probably going to pop to his range and if he's doing that if he's doing that it might go down a little bit, right. but he might be a more effective player with a lower field goal percentage. You know, I'm, I'm not yeah. assuming so, that's necessarily going to happen yeah. a lot, but, uh, but the other thing is, yeah, 1.2 assists last year, that's got to go up because he's got to be yeah. feeding guys. Cause he's going to get doubled. He's going to have a lot of attention paid to him. He's got to find the open guy. And to be fair, to be an all American, your teammates got to help you out a little bit and, yeah. and his teammates are going to need to have to, to ha- have to help him out a little. Yeah, I think you guys you guys took most of the uh, most of the things that I was going to say. I think that the scoring will inherently you know thirteen and a half points a game last year. I think that will will go up just naturally. Uh, the rebounding perhaps a little bit. I think the the one that has the most room to expand is is the assists. I mean, at only one point two per game, as as you mentioned. Um, I, I think with hopefully better floor spacing, there's more opportunities for for those kinds of things. But he's going to get doubled. He he did at times last year. I thought he dealt with it 
okay. Um, but as an area of growth, him being able to do that will be, will be big statistically. The other area, he did a great job getting to the free throw line. I think he was in the top five in, in big 10 play and free throw rate. Uh, can he get that, that free throw percentage up over, you know, 70, 73%. Yeah. 72 is the, is the goal I was setting for him. Yeah. He's at, you know, he was at 68.5 last year. I thought he went through stretches where he shot it really well from there. He went through stretches where he struggled. Uh, and, and so, uh, for a guy that's going to get the ball a lot, going to get fouled a lot, I think that's, um, another area where you'd look. And I think that naturally increases the points. And I, you guys touched on this a little bit with the the face up jumpers and things like that. Just this is not statistical, but how much has he been able to diversify his game offensively, where he becomes a bit less predictable? Coach talked about that in the opening with, you know, seeing him make some moves to his to his other shoulder, um, and and just be a little bit less predictable. I guess maybe is the the right way to say it, but um, just kind of seeing that growth as he expands his range of skills. He did. A fantastic job as a freshman. There's natural growth that will take place there from freshman to, to sophomore season. But um, I think that's there, Coach. Question for you: You know, we talked about you know him being the the go to guy. Uh, I, I think it's a lot. Maybe easy is not the right word. It's a lot easier when your go to guy is a guard who's just naturally going to have the ball in his hands more. What, what kind of challenges does that present from? whether it be a coaching standpoint or, or just uh, an in-game standpoint of when your go-to guy is a big guy, what, what do you have to do differently to really, um, you know, to kind of account for that where it's not a guy that's got the ball in his hands all the time? Well, you know, initially my thought would be put him on the move. Um, get him into the post on the move, not just playing him at the block, uh, you know, in a late game situation where you need Because teams have defenses that are really, really set for post. They double from the top. They double big to big. So can he get the ball in space um, or roll into the post from space uh, at, at key moments? If that's your go-to uh, guy, because, A, you want a good shot or you want to get fouled. And then, like you guys said, he's got to shoot better better foul shots. So your closer, if he's a post player, you got to find intriguing ways to get him the ball because the other team knows that guards can have ability just to go downhill and, and get momentum going uh, and even beat really solid defenses one-on-one uh, if you could just pull up and shoot. Post players don't have that ability, so you need to space the floor, get him in, in a, a space where he can do that within 12 feet hopefully. Uh, the the other answer is you find a guard who can penetrate and also do that. And, and if you need that late shot clock stuff or late game situation, it's kind of hard to do that with a post player. You find someone else. But uh, that that's initially what I would do is, is, is pick and roll him and either hit the roll and let him go to work either direction or pick and roll him and reverse the ball and then set him in the post so you got him on the move into the post where the defense might be a little confused on how, how and where to bring help. All right. Question two is the recent John Rothstein report, second Rothstein mentioned tonight, uh, about Trey Galloway challenging for a starting spot, a good sign or a bad sign for this year's team. So for those who missed it uh, on Tuesday, I believe this was Rothstein. This is the the lead up to this is uh, his typical shtick here. But well-embedded moles in Bloomington continue to highlight Indiana freshman Trey Galloway, a potential starter for the Hoosiers on the wing. Remember the name. So as Jared put it, you know, good sign. If you want to look at it as a positive it suggests he's better than expected, shooting it well, good to have a guy defined by grit and defense making an impact early. Uh, potential bad sign, what what does that mean? Who does that mean isn't ready to take that starting spot? And and even more generally, he talked about should a sub-100 recruit be able to come right in and challenge for a starting spot on a team with 
lofty aspirations? Does it say more about the team than it does about uh, about Trey? Ryan, where do you uh, where do you come down on that? Is that a good thing, bad thing, or do you not read anything into it at all? First of all. Rothstein, a little bit known for his hyperbole, so I think we need to pump the brakes on Trey Galloway challenging for a starting spot. <laughs> Shocker. I, I think this means that Trey Galloway is showing well in practice. The the, the potential starter thing, no, no, no. Yeah, I don't think we need to worry about it. Does that mean Trey might start at some point? No, I mean, he could, but I think we need to not take this at face value. It means that Trey is playing really well, and we've heard practice reports that he's playing really well and looking really good. Uh, I think this is a sign that Trey is much better than his recruiting ranking, particularly because he missed some time in high school and maybe didn't get the chance to jump up the recruiting rankings the way he would have. We know he's a disciplined player. We know he's a smart player. We know he's a tough player. We know he's a gritty player. The one thing that was missing was three-point shooting, largely because he'd had wrist injuries. We didn't know what kind of three-point shooter he was. If he's shooting better and affecting the offense better, that's a great sign for Indiana. Uh I, I do I, I don't think I would read anything into this about Christian Lander or Armand Franklin or or anybody else. I, I I don't think this is a negative on other people. It may be, but we have no evidence of that. And so what I would say is, and, and by the way, if Christian Lander isn't ready to start yet, and first of all, I don't expect Christian Lander to start, but if Christian Lander isn't ready to start yet, we have to kind of accept that for what it is. He's very young and should be in his senior year of high school. So I you know, I don't think that's any knock on Christian Lander that maybe he's not up to speed yet. Uh, especially without a full off season in the program uh, or, you know, Armand Franklin, who knows what we're going to get there. We'll, we'll see what development he has. Uh, but I don't think this is a negative on anybody else. I think that basically the tweet told me Trey's playing really well in practice and impressing people. That's all I took from it. And that's a good thing for Indiana. That cannot be a negative for Indiana that, that Trey Galloway is impressing people in practice. Yeah, there's a certain level of irony with what I talked about a minute ago where Rothstein doesn't like when people are, you know, these leagues are releasing all all conference teams with more than five players on it when you could probably go back through his Twitter timeline at various points and he would would tout uh, seven to eight guys as potential starters on any given team. So that's neither here nor there. But um, Coach, what, what did you take away from from that? Are you kind of following Ryan's camp that it says good things about Trey or do you do you take any more or less from it? Absolutely. Two, two, two things. Preseason rankings are preseason rankings or recruiting rankings are recruiting rankings. They're nice to put in tiers, you know, and, and the five oh, where they're at. Cause you know, how do you separate uh 46 from 67 or something like that? The, and, and that player coming in and fitting into a system and refresh my, my memory. What was Aladipo uh, when, when he came in? Off the board. He was a three-star. I mean, he was, you know, in the hundreds somewhere. He was in the hundreds. So right fit, right player, right work ethic uh, can always increase that, um, those recruiting rankings. And same in the next question, we're going to talk about preseason rankings. Uh, I have a lot of respect for all media members, especially big lead media members. They do their work. They do their homework. But uh, a lot of times they're wrong because um, we just don't know who's playing until – we're there. Second, depth. We, we've all been talking off season, and, and if this is anything, it's a sign of depth that uh, the, the guys that Archie has brought in are more his type of guys, the tough-nosed, defensive-type players, and they are pushing each other. And I've said this on shows, and I know each one of you has too, is that these guys playing together, you put Lander and those freshmen together, are really going to push the older guys. And we wanted last week it was 
watch a scrimmage between the older and the younger guys. Well, that tells me that these younger guys are a lot closer to contributing than, than some freshmen are. That's what I take, that we're going to have some depth, and you better come to practice ready to play or, or your minutes or, or your position. And I hope Archie um, uh, holds people to that and, and you know plays the people who deserve it. It sounds like he's headed that direction. For the record, Victor Oladipo in 24-7's composite was ranked 136th in the nation. Trey Galloway, 147th. And not yeah. comparing those two. I'm not saying that yeah, no, yeah, I know, Galloway by any means is Victor Oladipo. But but comparing IU recruits to Oladipo is like a cottage industry. You have to, you have to do that, right? But, but, but right. I'm just saying the ranking. The ranking <laughs> yeah. system yeah. can be can be off based on how and many times you played, injuries, all of those things. And then, like, uh, some people are, like, bored with the Duncan. Come on, Duncan 63. Trey Kaufman was, what, 46th? Yeah. I mean, that's 17th. That's different. Yeah. I think you're gonna, you guys are going to love Duncan. I, I have friends awesome. who coach in the Cincinnati area, and, and I've talked to him. I've talked to the Moeller head coach on the phone. Um, and, and just motor. So now you, you get a big guy with a heavy motor who wants to be at Indiana. Uh, I throw that 63 away and don't say it's a mid-level, you know, four-star. That's, that's a great recruit for Indiana. And Duncan, the big thing about Duncan is he's gotten so much better every year. So you got a guy, as Andy mentioned in the opening, is rising fast. He is jumping upwards. What From I'll a program about- that sends five centers, five men to the pros. Yeah. Uh, the guy that went to Texas and there's a lot of guys that came from Moeller that ended up going to college and then ended up in the NBA. Yeah. And what I'll say about recruits is you're right, coach. That top 25 guys, that's that's the top tier. Those guys yeah, are the difference NBA makers. Yep. The, from 26 to like 70, that's just preference. It's preference. It's who you, whose game you liked the day you saw them. These are not, this is not an exact science. And then from 75 down to like 200, again, you could separate those guys. You could parse those guys all day. Um, so, and a lot of it has to be with how these guys played in person when the, when the recruiter saw them or when the, when the evaluator saw yep. them. So it's, you know, it's not an exact science. When people are married to these rankings, it, it, it does drive me a bit crazy. Yeah, you get a guy in that five-star range, you're getting a player. You know that. Get a guy in the mid-range, it's a guy who's going to affect your program, be good, and potentially rise to that next level. Get a guy in that lower tier, you never know what you're going to get with them. They could be nothing. They could wind up being a huge part of your program. They could wind up going to the NBA. You don't know. Yeah. All right. I tend to I, I tend to fall. We're we got a few minutes left to hit this last question. So I, I tend to fall more in Ryan's camp. I think it says more about Trey than the team and not the other way around. Yeah. And I think it's nothing but a positive, especially because he's at a position where IU doesn't really have as many options. If you think about it, he's not, a, you know, as a, as a wing player, it's really him and, and Jerome from a, a size standpoint. Um, I guess Jordan Geronimo to a, to a certain extent. But I think, you know, everything you hear about him has been really positive. So to me, that's a good thing. If that means he works his way into the starting lineup, he'll have earned it. So not not an issue for me. All right. So, guys, we got a couple minutes left here. So question three. Here's some facts entering Archie Miller's fourth season. He's lost more Big Ten games than he's won. His fourth team is a fringe top 25 team projected to finish in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten. Current roster has only one player considered among the nation's top 100 by CBS. Uh, November 2020 signing day included just one recruit. And if you told us on the day Archie was hired that all of these statements would be true, uh, three and a half years later, all of us would have been disappointed. Yet there remains a pretty strong undercurrent of optimism among a large swath of IU fans. Why and is it warranted? Uh, Coach, I'll throw this one to you first. Yeah, you know, um, 
the only the only problem I see with Archie Miller right now is that it's taken a lot more time than everyone thought. Um, th- th- that you know, and you, you hear people across the nation say the same thing. They thought it would happen faster, and so is it Archie or is it uh, a combination of factors? And, and people are going to be on both sides of that fence. I'm on the fact that the Big Ten's gotten tougher in the last two years, and there's been some circumstances with injuries and players that were left in the program that were not necessarily those that could build that get-old-and-stay-old mentality. So uh, I look at offensive efficiency improving, uh, Ken Palm defensive efficiency improving, wins improving every year, go from no tournament NIT to really in the NCAA tournament if they had one last year. Um, And I want it built right. Uh, You know, Cream got us back to number one in the Sweet 16 and Big Ten championships, but there were big dips after those years. Um, to do it right, you got to get old and stay old. And I think we're in the process of doing that. So when we're upset, it's because of our patience level. We want top 10 and and final fours and banners, and we want them like two years ago. Uh, And it's our patient level that is okay, because that's what we should do as fans, and that should be our expectations. But, But a lot of people think he's a pretty good coach. And and to build it the right way is, is to me, taking longer than maybe Archie even wanted, to be honest with you. Um, so I just think it's a timing thing, uh, and I think better better days are ahead, and that's what has me optimistic. If there were any setbacks or, or issues other than um, that were real negative, I'd be worried about the direction. Uh, but I think there's enough for me to, to remain positive and, and try to gain some patience. Yeah, I think that the reason there's optimism is is steady improvement. There's been steady improvement every year. It hasn't been a big jump that we've wanted. It's been steady improvement. And now he's got the players that he wants and he's got his players in the system. And I think that is the biggest difference is that he's got the players he wants to run. He can finally practice the way he wants to. He can finally use these freshmen to motivate people. They don't have to come in and play right away a lot. This is the group he wants and he's improved every year using some guys who were square pegs and round holes. He's managed to make it work uh, to improve at least. And now he's finally got what he wants. I think that's what the optimism is. And guess what? Archie's got to prove it this year. He's got yeah. his team. He has to prove it. It's it, We're not looking at this and saying, well, no matter what happens, you know, it'll be great. No, he has to prove it this year. But I think there's optimism that he has the guys he wants and and he's, you know, in, included steady improvement. Yeah, I think in addition to that, you look at I, I don't get hung up on the how many players you have in the top 100 at a given time. I think the recruiting has been the one part that everybody would say has really been been strong. Um, and I, I, you know, I tend to fall in line with Ryan. It, it this feels like a team built in the image that he wanted to create his vision of what Indiana basketball looks like. Now, if that vision comes out, if that team created in that image comes out and doesn't win games, to circle back to the what does TJD need to be do to be successful, then you don't feel as good about it, but this is, you know, the things have been building toward this. If it doesn't happen this year, it certainly starts to get a little, uh, a little tricky, but, uh, so we may talk a little bit more about that here in the break. Uh, but for now we'll, uh, wrap up this segment and coming up in our final segment, we will answer your questions, including one about a hypothetical poker game, uh, with former IU current and former IU coaches. So stick with us here on the assembly call. Sticky notes, email alerts, 
a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Tim Priller, and I never miss an episode of the Assembly Call. All right. Thank you, Tim. This is Andy Bottoms here with my co-hosts, Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866, or go to assemblycall.com. Now time for our mailbag. All questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can find out more about at assemblycall.com slash community. All right, so first question is from Joel. My really early question for AC Radio. Would it be possible during the IUBB COVID era to play a game at the William Leon Garrett Fieldhouse? So an interesting question I really hadn't thought about, um, and a good one from Joel of, you know, you're not having fans, so you don't necessarily have to play games at your normal venue. So uh, any chance or just thoughts on, on what it might be like to have a, a game at the old, at the, at the field house. Uh, I think one, it would let other people know more about the, the Bill Garrett story. Uh, and I think that would be certainly a positive, but uh, any chance I, you entertain something like that, even for one of these games against like a, the Tennessee tech or North Alabama game or something like that. Or do you guys think that's uh, too far fetched? Ryan, I'll throw it to you first. Well, I think the issue is putting on a broadcast because these games will be broadcast. And I think that's the biggest issue. Uh, secondly, I mean, if they practice at assembly hall, it's kind of a home court advantage to get to play there as well. I agree. It would be very cool. I'm just wondering if the program would even consider it because of the built-in advantages of playing of practicing and playing on your home floor. You know, they know all the quirks of that court. They know, you know, everything about it. You'd probably have to practice there for a few weeks before a game or, or maybe a week. Um, but I think the broadcast is the biggest issue. And, and we know Assembly Hall is built for big broadcasts. So that's what I would say about that. That's a good point. I, always, I hate to give you credit, but that's a good point about the broadcast, right? I always like the older venues. I think it's nice when programs go back and play in venues that they had played in previously. I think it's a setup nightmare for, especially with, you know, the loss of money and funds. And when, when fans are back, you're never going to move out of a, a assembly hall anyway, because the, the amount of people you could put in, but yeah, I'm a big proponent of those schools that have on-campus facilities that they can still host uh, games of playing a game in there. I think that's, that's good for college basketball. All right, next question from Bathhouse Barry. If you had all the former and current Indiana basketball head coaches at a poker table, who do you think would win? Coach, who are you taking? I'm taking Coach Knight, man. He's a winner. The dude just wins at everything. He'd figure out what you'd have, and he'd know beforehand. And he, he just to picture him this smiling, you know, because he wasn't always that mean dude, but when he win, he'd kind of get that little smile you know, like he's walking by Valentine and just pull all the money back to his side. He'd be the worst one to lose to, for sure. Oh, yeah, because he would just let you have it. Left yeah, right. no, I would say all over you. It'd be great. 
my initial thought to was watch. Kelvin Kelvin Sampson because he had everybody fooled. So he's got to have a pretty good <laughs> poker face. And you know he'd have an ace up his sleeve too. He'd, he'd be cheating. He, that guy that guy would be doing whatever it takes to win. So uh, that was my initial uh, suggestion. Of course, Coach Knight would he'd have all the cards because he's you know that's just who he is. Yeah, I feel like Knight would be hard if you just think about all the stories you hear from these guys, just about the kind of mental aspect of 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 what his coaching was and and uh, and things like that. So I yeah, I'd be hard pressed to go with somebody uh, somebody other than than him. Uh, I think perhaps no surprise that uh, Tom Crean did not get chosen. The, the, the I think this is, these are Jared note, Jared's notes here, but Crean has no poker face. I think uh, I think that definitely is probably off the table. Um, all right. Kathy had a couple questions. Uh, if we could only get one more addition for 2021 recruit transfer, et cetera, uh, not a name, but what position would you like to see filled and, or, uh, what skills would they need to bring to the table? Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, wing or front court, I think, cause we're losing a lot of front court after this year. So it would have to be a wing or a front court player or a wing that could transition, you know, like a Jerome Hunter can play a little four and so can race Thompson. Uh, but we need, we need more to beef up the front court. I think we're set at the guard spots heading into next year. Coach. Yeah, I tend to agree. The number wise would lead you to more of a post, uh, post type player. I'm big on getting those closers though. Those downhill guys. Uh, I know we need shooting, uh, but I think we have enough shooting. If we had a downhill guy with a couple of post players that could, that could really uh, solidify. So I, I really would like to see that athlete, that guard perimeter wing, Athlete six five six six who can, uh, you know, take the ball and get to the hoop. Yeah, I think I tend to lean front court. I think some kind of stretch four type type guy would be would be good to have. As you think, especially if you really think that Duncan's going to be able to step in and compete. I think you'll have race uh, at that point will be entrenched as one of your starters. But if you think Duncan can really play to give you the the true big guy presence between those two. Can you get another guy that's got some size but can also space the floor? So I would lean uh, in that general direction. Uh, all right, we got about a minute left. Uh, her other question, thoughts on the All Big Ten uh, preseason team. So because there's so many names, I'll try to go through these quickly. You got uh, Desunmu and Luca Garza were the two unanimous guys. And you had Kofi Coburn, TJD, Joe Wieskamp, Aaron Henry, Marcus Carr, Travion Williams, Geo Baker, and Nate Reavers. Uh, you know, Coach, anybody there really stand out to you as – um, or is there maybe a better question? Is there a dividing line, uh, between, you know, the guys on there, uh, that, that you would set? Yeah, I think nine guys are really good. And Travion Williams, yeah, he could be booted to the second team just because he plays for Purdue. <laughs> Ryan, what about you? That looks like a solid group. I, Aaron Henry is the question because everybody is, you know, pumping him up, but he hasn't really come through yet, but I, I expect him to have a pretty good year. I, that's a, that's a, that's a fair grouping of players. I don't think they missed anybody. Yeah, I think so too. Henry's the one that stands out to me. It's it's based on potential. He didn't take the yeah. step that every last year that people thought he would. Uh, but uh, he he's the one that's maybe proven it less than anybody else. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. Well, that will do it for tonight's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, Juwan Morgan. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. 
sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.